Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted to talk about the, I guess in my mind I started talking, think of it as like the middle path or kind of, and I mean that in the sense of as a business, I think, you know, Marco and I, we both have these businesses that started out and largely are just like one person things. Um, and, you, and this could be, you know, I think if you wanted to generalize it, it's the, that kind of the concept of the very small business, like rather than the small business, this is the very small business that it's either one person, two people, something along those lines. Um, and there are some benefits. There are some wonderful things about being a business that that's, that that's, you know, that size, that that's small. Um, we both love it. I think, you know, been doing this bit that way for 13 years, but I think as a result of being in that place, there is definitely sometimes in the back of your mind, there's this, this sort of like this, this pull, this thought that like, Hmm, where does it go from here? And like, what could that look like? What would that benefit be? And I was recently reminded of this sort of this tension that I feel uh, when I was listening to a recent episode of thoroughly considered, which is a, a great sort of uh, podcast on here on real FM where, um, Dan Provost and Tom Gerhardt, who are the people behind Studio Neat, talk to Mike Hurley about the, you know, the, their business. And they, they have a sort of an indie business, but not, they do some software products, but mostly they make physical products. Like they make awesome pens and notebooks and things like that. These are these tangible products that um, actually exist in the world. And it was fascinating because they were talking about how they find themselves in this kind of awkward middle place between being the super small business and being a traditional small business where, you know, they're, tr- they're starting to get into paid acquisition. So they're, you know, doing Instagram ads and these kind of w- other ways to get people to be interested in their pens. And then they have, you know, which is great, but it means that they're now selling more pens. And if they sell more pens, they have to make more pens. And if they make more pens, they need people to make the pens. And previously they've been making the pens, but now they need to hire someone who will make the pens. And they're selling more pens, which is great, but their overheads are higher because they're paying someone to make the pens and they're paying Instagram to acquire the customer. And as long as, you know, they're still making more money as a result, like they still have a margin there, but all the margins and all the things change when you start to sort of shift your business in that direction, that it isn't just the two of them, you know, like once a week, they just sit down and make the pens together. And then like, that's it for, for that, you know, and there's no sort of additional cost beyond that. Um, and they're kind of finding that I think it's this really interesting tension between, it's almost like there's this like snapping function where on the one hand, you sort of like, it, it's easy to stay small, like very small, to be a very small business and to stay there because there are so many advantages sort of structurally to that, that you have all these benefits of having no overhead by being completely in control, having decisions being straightforward by not having any kind of overheads that you have to think about that are you know beyond just like the money overhead, but just in general and cognitively, it's so much simpler. Or you end up as like a traditional small business, which is going to be like 10 to 15 to 20 people. You're going to have like payroll and you're going to have benefits and you're going to have to think about employee like growth and you know development and all of the various things like do you start having office space because you know, these people need places to go like it, there's all these questions that start happening and i think what was fascinating to hear in them and this is something that i as i think about this in my own business and kind of where i would go is it's like there's it just it snaps one way or the other that it's you stay where you are as a very small business and take the kind of difficulties of that or you snap up and suddenly like oh it's not just oh let me hire one person 
because once you hire one person, it's very sort of quickly seems to push you in a direction of hiring uh, multiple people. But like when you start hiring multiple people, then you start to get into like just traditional business that this is the like, you know, if you went to did any MBA or did any listen, watch any like business YouTube video or anything like there are these very standard rules and processes and things that are like known to work that don't really work or, or like apply when you're just a very small business but apply very well and you have to sort of educate yourself on like there where they were talking about how, you know, they were talking to a business consultant and they said that typically if you hire someone, you can expect like the best you can sort of typically expect is to get like 20% return on that person's cost. You know, so essentially it's like 120, like they were really return 120% of the cost that they, that they, that they, you know, that they have to you. Um, it's just like a general rule of thumb. And it's like, conceptually that makes a lot of sense to me that like if you have you know if you hire a person that it's not like you know if, if i went from just me to one other person it isn't that we get double the kind of uh productivity benefit income gen everything doubles it's like it, mm. it clearly doesn't work that way because like that's just not how businesses generally work that if you know you add one person it's you start to get this marginal return um but anyway yeah so it's just like this fascinating thing that i think we both find ourselves in where we're both, you know, very, you know, for these very small businesses, essentially one people, one person. I mean, I have people who help with bits and parts. Like I have an accountant who does my accounting and tax filing for me, which is, a, you know, a form of uh, hiring. And I have a designer who does some of the icon work that I, you know, do on a freelance basis for me. Um, but, you know, it's not something that is committed and ongoing and, you know, sort of stable in that way. And I have someone who helps me with help desk sometimes. And like, that's great as well, but it's, 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 it's a different, it's not like the core part of the business that is being scaled up. And so anyway, it's something that I, I think about a lot that, you know, would I ever want to go down that road? And if on and the scarier part, it's like, if I went down that road, what would be the first step on that path? Because knowing that it's very quickly going to probably expand out of just one step and quickly become 20, 30, 40 steps down the road where it's a very different business that I'm running. You know, I've often thought like, you know, am, am I being basically? Am I am I being a fool here for not expanding my business when I have the chance to? At most times in my businesses, I've made enough profit from them that I can theoretically hire a person or two if I really wanted to. Uh, but usually, I don't uh, because you know it's you know. First of all, I treat I treat all iOS app money as temporary. And I think I should probably save as much of this as I can because it can go away at any moment because that's true. So part of it is I don't want to spend the money on an employee. The bigger part of it is I historically have not really been great at being a boss, being a manager. It's just not among my skill set. And it's also not something that I would that I enjoy doing. Uh, I'm, I've, I'm very, <laughs> very awkward about it and and uh, not very confident in my skills in that area. And so, and and then finally, I'm also a control freak. You know, I've I've been spoiled by being able to do everything myself and being able to make all the decisions myself. And so, I don't want to give up control and delegate responsibility to other people uh, if I can help it. But I've often thought, like, am I, you know, long term, am I going to look back on this time and say, man, I wish I would have tried to expand my business more because I missed huge opportunities. And I've often thought, like, you know, what what would I hire for first? Where am I lacking? Where would I really benefit from somebody beyond just like supporting roles? Like, you know, like, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, an accountant does my taxes for me. That's kind of a, you know, supporting role for the business, not really core to what we're doing here. Things like answering support tickets or, you know, support email. That's, that's kind of core to the business. um, But it's also something that's 
fairly easily outsourced to to somebody in a way that you don't have to do a ton of management. Um, so I'm talking about like working on the actual like core product or core business mechanics in some way. A programmer, a designer, um, somebody to to do like your app store marketing, like that kind of stuff. That is core to the business. You know, in in the past, I used I used to think that I would really benefit from a designer. And while that is still true, I don't think I need it as much as I used to, in part because my own skills have gotten better and in part because um, the the system-wide uh, default UI controls and default conventions that I've been able to use have gotten better, as we talked in the past about things like SF symbols and the new fonts and everything. Like it's, it's gotten really good, really good. System colors, like there's there's so much now that we get for free design wise that uh, that I think the need for a designer for small in, for small operations like ours is greatly reduced from where it was five or ten years ago. And I've often thought where I would probably benefit most from another hire would be on the kind of promotional side. So kind of uh, basically a marketing person, somebody who would do, you know, who, who would manage my app store assets, the screenshots, the, you know, do, an, do a video promotion, run the social media accounts, uh, you know, ma- d- design different engagement uh, techniques and, and retention improvements and, you know, maybe start, start doing promotional notifications and, and you know, run, run the directory and run promotional stuff there. So, you know, that kind of person, you know, app store optimization techniques, any kind of A-B testing, optimizing the paywall for conversions, like that's where I actually need the help. I frankly don't really think I need another programmer. I could get more coding done, surely. You know, I, I could definitely get more done if I had another programmer. But I think if you if you are a programmer and you hire a second programmer, what you're doing there is increasing the amount of that person coordination overhead that you're going to have to deal with because you're both doing the same thing on the same code base. Whereas if you're a programmer, hiring somebody who's not a programmer is doing a better job of covering skills you probably don't have or or skills that you're pretty weak on. And for me, that's certainly the case. Like, you know, if I, if the, the original reason I wanted to hire a designer was I didn't have design skills worth worth anything. Now I have some design skills. And so I, I feel like I can get away with that. Um, but where, I, but I don't have any skills in terms of like, you know, marketing, you know, optimization, you know, running like my search ads and stuff. Like, I don't have any of those skills really. I, I do an okay job of it, but I think that's where that's where I would have the most opportunity for growth because I look around at, at other apps that do well, that get a lot of installations, get a lot of customers and retain them and spam them with notifications and all this stuff. And what I see is not necessarily nicely designed apps. Nicely, nicely marketed apps and nicely sold apps and, and, and apps that have really good, effective sales funnels and all that stuff that I, that I really am not good at. People who know how to use data, you know, which I never, <laughs> I never do. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of stuff, I feel like that's where I would, I would see the most benefit. And because it wouldn't overlap a ton with my main work on the app, like my coding work, Obviously, there would be some changes to the app that this person would uh, either do themselves or, or would direct me to do as, to, you know, to help them do their job better. But that, I think, would be where I would see the most benefit, would be that kind of hire. But even then, I worry, like, I mean, look, I, I already worry enough, like, am I, am I spending enough on ads? Like, am, am, I, am I promoting my app enough? And I look around at the market and I see, like, you know, it turns out, like, overcast numbers have been a little bit down uh, since December. 
And that's a little unusual, like for this time of year. I I, I normally don't have this kind of seasonal dip, uh, but I my theory is that overcast numbers historically have gone down um, whenever people don't go to work. I think I had a larger than expected number of users who worked tech jobs in Silicon Valley, because as soon as those massive job cuts hit, you know, over the last few months, that corresponds directly to when my numbers started sagging. And, you know, that's my problem to deal with. But so because of that, I've been focused more on like, all right, let's let's see what I can do to boost growth here. Like I've bought I've I've increased my search ad spend because, first of all, that's one of the only places I, I have to you know get more installations and stuff is paid installs, which sucks. I hate having to do it. But it turns out because of the economic downturn and everything, search ads are cheaper than they used to be because fewer people are buying them. That's what, you know, it's hurting my other areas of my business because my own ad rates are cheaper than they used to be. Uh, but, but you know, it is, um, it's a benefit there. But as I'm, as I'm managing all that, I'm like, should I really be the person doing this? Like, wouldn't it be more effective if I hired somebody whose sole job was to boost my usage and sales like if that's that's your sole job is you know do stuff that i either can't or won't do or i'm not very good at and boost sales and and go out there and increase you know do whatever it takes to optimize my ad copy you know run promos whatever it is you know growth hack my app and i hate i hate having to say it like that but that's really what i'm looking for but again i think what would it cost me to do that? And and on both you know both in terms of the direct monetary cost of paying this person and also funding whatever they would tell me to do, like you know buying more ads or whatever. But then also like the overhead involved in managing a more than one person operation is so different from when you're working by yourself. It's radically different. I I don't know if I'm ready for that. I I, I don't know if I want that. I, like I don't know if that's the lifestyle I want. You know, once I start doing that, and maybe it would be much simpler than I expect. I don't know, uh, but I can tell you, uh, we are brought to you this week, this episode, by Indeed. So if you are ready to make that hire, you need to trust your gut. But what if you can give your gut some help? When you want to find quality talent fast, you need Indeed, the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with just the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Instant Match really is incredible. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to us indeed data so join over 3 million businesses worldwide using indeed to hire great talent fast indeed knows when you're ready to grow your own business you have to make every dollar count that's true (laughs) that's why with indeed you only pay for quality applicants and quality applications that match your must-have job requirements Visit Indeed.com slash Under the Radar to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash Under the Radar. That's Indeed.com slash Under the Radar. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, and I think there's such this this feeling of... Like, I guess opportunity, I think is like the best word for so much of this, that it's this weird feeling of there's both the like 
are there opportunities that exist that would be, you know, sort of like tapped if we, if I were a bigger business, if my business were a larger thing, um, what would they be kind of, what would that look like? And then, you know, I guess that's like the, you know, the, 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 both the opportunity cost of that as well as just like what doors would be open, what things might happen. Um, but then it's like, yeah, it's, it also is the uh, tremendous opportunity to just like be in, be in this place that is the, op- the negative opportunity. The, like it creates this uh, right now, there's not a lot of space, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for my business to kind of get out of hand for me to be unaware of what's going on for things to be in, you know, happening that I don't necessarily agree with or, or, or want or whatever. Like the business is so buttoned down and straightforward because it is so small that like it's it's easy. It's straightforward, but it definitely is, is, is coming kind of at a cost. And I mean, it's a weird thought that I have sometimes where I think of, um, like if some, you know, if, if someone were to buy my apps, what would they do with them? Um, hmm. and it's like, generally speaking, I feel like, and sometimes there's things I think to learn from that exercise, because I suspect, you know, there's lots of opportunities that I'm not taking advantage of that they would, that the kind of company that would, you know, want to buy, you know, widget Smith or pedometer plus plus or sleep plus plus or one of these things like, you know, either, you know, it's like they would be looking, the reason they would be buying it is because they thought it would be worth more to them than it would, it is to me. Right. Like that's fundamentally the nature of what a, an acquisition would be based on. And I think, you know, other than the kind of like they're buying it because it's some kind of complementary thing and it's more of an aqua hire or they just want the technology, like that could be the case. But otherwise, they could just look at what I'm doing and they'd be like, you know, like this fool doesn't know what he's doing. Like, you know, if we if we got if we, we got a hold of this app, we could do all kinds of things with it and, you know, take it in all kinds of different directions on the marketing side or like, look, look at these screenshots. These screenshots are, you know, are, are, are nowhere near optimal and could be, you know, I, you know, they could have a designer who's done this a hundred times who, who makes some, some, some really awesome screenshots or things that could, you know, have these incremental, um, sort of gains to the business. But I think at the end, it's like, I find this really, the, the, the tension I find is in so much is this weird thing of like, what is the actual goal of my business? Like, why do I do what I do? And, you know, that becomes very personal and very kind of like philosophical, I think at at some point, but it really kind of ultimately is becoming those kind of questions. Like, do I want, you know, to be um, a business analyst and come into my app and treat it like I have an MBA? You know, I don't, but if I did, like, I'm sure there are lots of things that you would do to the app that you would treat it in a different way. And like, sometimes I wish I was that person who would look at my app like purely analytically and numerically. And it is just, it's all spreadsheets all the way down. And that is the, like the way that they would govern the business and the way that they would, you know, do it. And it's like, well, if we could hire a marketer and we could get back 20% of what it costs to hire that marketer, then we should totally do that because we made 20% on that person and it becomes very analytical and straightforward and, like, oh, well, it's like, well, once we have three, it's like, oh, let's do that again and again. And oh, well, now we have a person we need to hire in order to manage the people we hired. It's like, well, that's great. That's fine. Like, they're all paying for themselves. And so, yeah, I guess like every fifth person, you get a person free or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's how people work, but, um, it's like, that's the way, a different way of thinking, but it's like, it's a very different goal. It's like, that's probably the goal that would extract the most money out of, um, you know, the opportunities I have and the apps that I have and their place in the app store and all of those things. But like, ultimately it's like, I end up go like, I do like 80% of this thought exercise and I always end up at this place. It's like, yeah, but is that like what I want to do? 
Like, is that, is that what I, you know, is, this, is that the business I want to have? Is that what I, what I want my life to look like? That it's just about trying to get, you know, like the maximum amount of money possible from these things. And it's like, then I just sort of end up like, yeah, probably not. And then like move on. But always in the back of my mind, the thought of like, yeah, so what you're doing, you know, is not optimal. That could be better, but you're kind of just like, and I hope it's not just laziness that is preventing me from being optimal in the sense of like, I could do more. I could do all these things. Maybe if I just tried harder on my paywalls, if I tried harder on my screenshots, like I'd get better. Um, but I don't know if it's, don't think it's quite that straightforward. No, I mean, you know, I, I think one, one of the, I, I think one of the greatest cultural flaws that we have in at least American culture uh, is that we don't really have a concept of enough. Like what's, yeah. what's enough? Like once your app is making enough and, and that what that means varies for everybody. There's so many dependent factors there, of course, but once you're making enough, you get the luxury. If you reach this point of kind of deciding where to go from there and, and making decisions of like, what kind of lifestyle or what kind of life do I want and what choices can I make to to either keep that or or get to that? Once you will have enough, it might not be worth changing your lifestyle in other negative ways to get that incremental amount more. And so, you know, if you are right now are making enough by whatever that means to you, and you like your lifestyle of working alone and doing every, doing whatever you want and having full control and having it be simpler and easier to manage. Yeah, you might be able to make more if you started hiring people and dramatically changed what your day-to-day life actually looks like once you start managing people. Yeah, you could make more. But is that the life you actually want for yourself? A lot of times people don't ask themselves that question because the allure of more is so powerful that you either don't have the luxury to ask yourself that question or you don't think to ask yourself that question because money tricks our brains. It's like a drug to our brains. And sometimes it's because it's necessary in your life. But a lot of times, again, like once you've reached that point of enough, your brain often still treats money as that kind of you know drug that you can't question. Like, oh, of course, if you can make more, why wouldn't you make more? But there's lots of reasons why you wouldn't want to make more if you actually think about it. And if you actually start, start running, running these, you know, running the scenario out of like, okay, well, if I hire somebody, then, then what happens? And then, oh, if I, if I hire five people, then what happens? And, you know, what does my life look like if I go down that path? Or, it, it, you know, people often don't think like this thing I'm, I'm thinking about doing or, or wanting to do, what happens if I succeed yeah. What does my life look like if I succeed in doing what I am thinking about or attempting to do? And oftentimes, it's actually not something that you want, or it's not a lifestyle that you want, or it has all sorts of negative uh, downsides that that you didn't really consider or adequately uh, evaluate. <laughs> and so, yeah, like I, I could like I, I look at people who make more money than me, and I usually do not envy their lifestyle because of what they have to do to make that that much more money. Usually whatever whatever they do in their day-to-day life or the way they run their business or the kind of business they have to run, usually I look at that and I'm like, you know, that's fine for them. I, I don't want that. I, I don't want my life to be that or I don't want my business or my company to be that. I want to be able to sleep at night and I'm fine with what, I'm fine with what I have, you know. And and again, and look, I, I know this is coming from a position of privilege because a lot of people can't make that choice because what they have is is not enough. Uh, but once you reach that point where it is enough, 
I feel like you get that luxury of being able to make that choice. And, and most people underthink that or underconsider that or undervalue some of the niceness of their current lifestyle when, when thinking about, well, should I push more and should I make these changes or should I sacrifice in these other areas so I can make more, you know, and, and that's, I, I feel like it's, it's worth stepping back a lot of times and thinking like, what would that do if I succeeded in that? What would that do to my lifestyle? And for me, you know, like you were just, like you were saying a minute ago, for me, I'm, I'm extremely happy running my business as myself. Like I'm, I love doing it just myself and I, I love having full control over everything and I'm fortunate enough that it works out that I don't need to hire more people to make enough. But again, it is always tempting. Like these areas that I am not good at, would I actually be happier not doing them and leaving it to somebody else? I don't know. Sometimes the answer is yes. Like in the case of having an accountant do my taxes, that's a no-brainer. I hate doing taxes. I've done them before. I hated it every time I did it. So I, I once I was able to, I hired it out. And I've been happier as a result. Uh I can apply that same logic to lots of things. Like, well, maybe I should just outsource XYZ thing I don't like doing about the app or thing I'm not good at about the app. Maybe I should just hire someone to do that, uh, whether it's a contract-based thing or a full-time. Obviously, there's very different levels of complexity and cost there, but maybe I should hire things out in the same way I hired an accountant. I don't know, but it's really unnerving to think about giving up the lifestyle I have now because I really like it, and there's huge benefits of this lifestyle to me that, that, I, that I want to protect. Yeah. And I feel like it is one of these things where I think I'm increasingly, I don't know if it's right to say it, like I'm increasingly comfortable that I will always be uncomfortable with this tension, that there isn't a solution to find in the middle of this, I think, that if you can't have the benefits of being a super small business that you have a lot of control, that you can make choices based on values rather than spreadsheets or be making those kind of choices that are, you know, coming from potentially a place of sort of like, it's, 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 it's a bit privileged. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's that sense of like, I can make the choice that I think is best, not necessarily the choice that is, you know, best for the business. It's you always hear, I, it's like, I always hear of like that, that, that phrase, uh, you know, maximizing shareholder value that, I, you know, it sounds like, like I never want to be a CEO of a company where that's like the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Like that sounds terrible. And I'm sure obviously it's not quite as simple as that for a you know, big company CEO, but like as a goal, as a value, as like what I'm doing, like that, that sounds awful to be maximizing shareholder value. And at a certain point, if my business were bigger, that's what the business starts to kind of do because kind of whatever you measure, whatever you keep score with is the thing that you're optimizing for. And it's so easy to be optimizing that for, you know, like the revenue number, or the profit number or whatever those things are, like the user base, the monthly active users, whatever it is, like that is something that is easy to optimize for because it's the thing that is tangible and measurable. Like you can't really t measure the like, how well designed the app is and like get a score with that and hope for that. I see that, that score increasing over time that as I've gotten better as it, as at, you know, at visual design or accessibility or whatever aspect of my apps there is like, I, I think that's gotten better. I have a pretty good sense that that's gotten better over the years, but there's not, it's not a number that I can just like pull up in a spreadsheet and say like my design score was six, two years ago. Now it's seven and a half. Let's see if I can get it to eight and a half. Like it just doesn't work that way. And because it doesn't work that way, I feel like it, it it's so easy to ignore those and only focus on the things that are tangible, that are 
easy to easy to count because once you can count it then you can measure it and so yeah like i just in the end i feel like it's one of these things that ultimately the important thing is to have have a goal in mind and like understand that you know i the approach you and i take to you know making software and doing things is different than the approach that you would want to take if you wanted to have a big business with lots of people and potentially you know it's like 10 times the revenue with you know, whatever, 20 times the people, like that could be great. That could be beneficial for a lot of people and in a great situation, but it's also comes with a lot of costs. And it's like, if you value that, if that's your goal, like awesome, that's, you know, go, go do that. But I think for you and I, it sounds like, you know, it's like we're, we're happy kind of snapping back to the other way and keeping, staying small and understanding we're giving up something for that, but we're gaining something else too. And we can, it's easy to sometimes be focused on the one, focused on what you've lost rather than what you've gained. Um, which is, you know, a natural thing, but certainly a dangerous thing in this case. Yeah. And, and ultimately like your lifestyle and your happiness and, and minimizing your stress and everything else that all has value in the same way money has value to you. So like once you have enough money, then you, you can start optimizing for those other things and make yourself happier and healthier and make your, make your life better, you know, optimize for your family, whatever you need to do, that all has great value. And that's usually worth a lot more than making 20% more. Exactly. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.